and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you, my friend, to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, we're going to talk about a few different things, but it's going to culminate, I guess you can say, and hopefully talking about change. What do I mean by that? Well, let's get into it and see. Now, I have my show prepared, ready to go, because if you're just joining us or new to the podcast, Two Steps Head podcast started out where it was, I'm just a couple steps ahead in life than maybe some people. And so I was sharing my experiences and sharing the things that I had gone through in an effort to try to help you to avoid the pitfalls and maybe follow some of the successes of life that I've enjoyed. Then I tried to uh, change it up a little bit and into 2021, and now it's about, you know, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, chase your dreams, you know, go after passion, go after greatness, inspire and motivate you to be better, have a, a lifestyle and a mindset that allows you to chase your passion, be inspired, be motivated. And so um, that's what I've been trying to focus on here in 2021. And most of the time, I, I stay away from politics. And we're not going to delve into politics from the political views on the show. But there's a few things in the world of politics that I think that we can talk about that kind of bring home the point that we need some change. I mean, we definitely need some change. And it's going to start with us. I've said it before. It starts with our heart. It starts with how we treat our neighbors our community, and then it grows from there. It has to be a grassroots or a bottom-up as opposed to a top-down change because if we rely on top-down change, that ain't happening. So I had a story I wanted to start out with, a localized story out of Lincoln, Nebraska. But then late I saw, and I think it was an Instagram story, but then it kind of popped up everywhere. And it was about this church in Texas, Cornerstone Church in Texas, John Hagee's church. And there was a lot of stuff on social media from people that I follow, that I'm connected to, that I know, that I knew, whatever the case may be. And there was a lot of criticism about this church service that was going on. And it was basically the accusation was that this church service in Texas, there was a Let's Go Brandon chant that was going on during the church service. Now, at first, I'm like, well, Okay, that's not what I would do if I was a pastor at a church. But, you know, in this day and age, we, politi- we have politicized religion. We have radicalized religion, just like anything else. What do I mean by that? Well, remember when the evangelicals supported Trump, and that was a bad thing, both from inside and outside the church. A lot of Christians, a lot of evangelicals, a lot of pastors meeting with Trump, praying with him, praying over him, pictures being taken with him, praying in the White House, in the Oval Office, and that was a bad thing. Um, And then you had incidences like, or I guess the, I don't know if it's a conspiracy or controversy, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, the whole idea about uh, Biden taking communion, whether or not he should because he supports abortion and the Catholic Church does not, and apparently Biden is Catholic. And then he goes to uh, the Vatican and supposedly has a conversation with the Pope, and the Pope granted his blessing and said that, oh, he should have communion. Now, this isn't about religion. This isn't about politics. You believe, do what you feel comfortable. Your religion is between you and your God, however you like to uh, approach that. But the conversation is this. So a bunch of people, especially in the Christian church, 
in the Christian community, people that I know that call themselves Christians, jumped on this story. So I did some research. And I started to see something. I'm like, wait a minute. This wasn't a church service. This was the facility of a congregation, of a church, a facility rented out, supposedly, or being used by an outside organization. So I called around, checked with a couple people that um, I like to call or talk to every once in a while, just kind of like fill them out, what their thoughts are on it, see if my thoughts add up to theirs. And they said the same thing. They're like, yeah, the stuff that I'm reading, it was an outside organization that used the church. So the story is that apparently there was a chant of let's go, Brandon, that was being chanted at a church in Texas, Cornerstone Church, which is John Hagee's church. You can do the Google, the research, the Yahoo it, the Bing it, and find out the information because I'm not going to dwell on it, except to mention a couple things. And so um, a lot of people were outraged that a church would chant, let's go Brandon. If you don't know what let's go Brandon is, look that up as well. It's basically a derogatory thing that is against uh, Joe Biden. And it's a great story of how it came about, but you can do the research. Okay, so... All these tweets and posts on, on, on Instagram and Instagram story and stuff, criticizing. Then I read a story about a pastor in Oklahoma who somehow gets involved or is tagged in, on TikTok videos, and he comments on how bad it is, how horrific it is that a church would have this. Okay, so we go on. And so then I find out that, okay, it's probably an outside organization that's been at least what I've researched and saw, a couple of people I've contacted, they saw and, and interpreted the same thing. So a lot of these people jumped to the conclusion. And there's all kinds of stuff going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But this is the one thing that I will say to my friends who identify as a Christian. The whole point of anything going on inside a building, that church building is just a building. The body of Christ is the people. It doesn't matter if you're meeting in a church, a sanctuary, a massive sanctuary, or a cathedral, or an American Legion hall, or somebody's house. It's the body of believers that come together. It's the people. So if in that congregation, the people of the church, and if they claimed to be Christian, and they were chanting, let's go, Brandon, that might be one thing. But the fact that somebody else is using a church building, or in this case, just a building, to chant something, who cares? It's irrelevant. And to make it a political story, to radicalize it, to have faux outrage over it, are you kidding me? Let's take it a step further. If you voted for Biden because you're a Christian and you hated Trump because he was mean and because he was a sexist and because he maybe or maybe not assaulted people or maybe he was racist, whatever it was, and you voted for Biden, well, doesn't your Bible tell you that abortion is wrong? Doesn't your Bible tell you that LGBT is wrong? And if that's the case, why are you outraged about let's go Brandon chance when there's a whole lot of other theological issues that you have problems with, that you're supporting? So let's start there. It's not a religious, oh, let's talk about religion and my theology, your theology. No, I'm just pointing out the fact that we've gotten to the point in society where everything Everything that we do triggers something, and people are out there and outraged about it, condemning things, and yet you get it wrong, 
because you don't have all the facts. And like I've always said, the initial narrative is never the truth. And then two, you're a hypocrite because you don't understand or realize exactly what is going on. What do I mean? Okay. So a lot of people then were outraged that this church would allow another outside entity to host a political rally in their church. Okay. That's fine. You can have that opinion. I think that's a valid opinion. But what about this? What happens to the church building the rest of the week that's not a Sunday? I know a lot of churches that rent the facility out. I know one church that rented out their facility to a preschool, a private entity. They had a preschool looking for a place, and the church rented it out. The people weren't Christians. They had no faith-based school. They had nothing, but yet they rented it out. Is that wrong? Well, what about people that have weddings? that have the reception at the church because maybe there's a a nice facility to have the reception, a big banquet hall or a fellowship hall or whatever else that these gaudy churches have these days. But yet they go someplace else and have maybe, maybe a female minister, maybe a judge, maybe somebody that got their certification on the internet and is now legally able to marry people in California. By the way, it costs you 10 bucks to do so. What about that? Are you outraged about that? What about all the other things that go on? What about on Sunday, all the gossiping that goes on? What about all the judging that goes on? What about all the other sins that are committed during the church service? Are you outraged about that? What about the false teaching that's being preached from the pulpit? See, so there's a lot of things that we can point back at you because you're outraged over a group of people that chanted, let's go Brandon, inside a building that happens to be designated as a church. Don't you realize the church is the people, not the building? So get over it. And in fact, if you were really outraged, you'd be more outraged about John Hagee's theology than you would about Let's Go Brandon. So again, don't give me this thing and go on to social media. It's a perfect example of Christians going to social media and being social media justices or the social warrior justices on social media and having outrage out there. For what? just so that you can have outrage? What are you going to do about it? What could you do about it? Nothing. You couldn't do anything about it. So again, if you voted for Biden and you're outraged about let's go Brandon, why? Is it because they're chanting against the guy you voted for? Or is it because it's in a church building, the building that really means nothing because it's just brick and mortar walls because the body of Christ, the church of Christ is the people, not a building. Like I said, it doesn't matter where you worship. It could be the beach. It could be an American Legion Hall. It could be someone's house. It doesn't have to be in a cathedral or a designated sanctuary. Jesus only went to the temple a couple times his entire life. The rest of the time he spent it on the road. So again, you got this faux outrage. So know the facts. And that's why we got to change. We got to change things because that's what's happening. That's what's happening in our communities. People are getting outraged over things that, really, it's none of your business. Why are you getting outraged? Why don't you sit down? If you're really concerned, why don't you get on your knees and pray? So, getting back to the change in Lincoln. So, there was the University of Nebraska volleyball team. They decided, well, I guess they didn't decide, but it's a conference game against the Maryland Terrapins. And they played the national anthem before the games. So apparently there was an athlete for the Terrapins, Lady Terrapins, 
took a knee during the national anthem. And some people in the stands started yelling at this athlete, maybe calling her names. All I heard was they referred to her as trash. I don't, didn't hear any other things like racist comments or anything like that. I don't even know if the athlete was black. Didn't say. An athlete took a knee. Now, I would assume it was an African-American athlete, but I don't know. There's a lot of white athletes that kneeled in uh, solidarity. So it could have been anybody. So we'll keep the racist thing out of it. But a lot of people were sitting there and yelling at the athlete to stand. Okay. So two things. Well, first off, let's get to the quotes. Okay. So the coach was disappointed that this happened at a Nebraska volleyball match. He hoped that it doesn't happen again, said Coach Cook. We all have our personal views on that, but a volleyball game is not the place to say anything. Okay, that's fine and dandy, but let's, let's move on. Athletic Director Trev Alberts issued a statement. Our athletic events at Nebraska should always be a place where people can come together and enjoy great competition in a respectful manner. Totally agree. The Chancellor, Ronnie Green. People are free to believe what they want, but Nebraska is known for the respect we show to visiting teams and their student-athletes, and I would ask our fans to continue to display that respect. Again, totally agree. But here's where the problem comes in. Those comments are directed solely to the Nebraska fans that were apparently outraged. So if Nebraska is a place where opinions matter, maybe they should have known ahead of time that somebody coming in was going to take a knee because that person does have the freedom to take a knee in protest, and that's fine. In fact, I would be okay if they stopped playing the national anthem before the games. That's not unpatriotic. That just does away with the whole issue. But here's the other thing. What about those people that are offended by that? Their views aren't any less significant than the person taking the knee. The person taking the knee is more politicized and socially accepted over the people yelling and screaming. But the people yelling and screaming, their views are just as valid. They're the ones that probably have people Well, one, they're patriotic. I'm not saying the person kneeling isn't patriotic, but the ones are standing for the flag and cheering for the flag. They're the ones that obviously are showing patriotism. They're showing wanting people to show respect to the flag. Maybe they're people that have fought, fought overseas, bled, shot, had people killed, known people that have sacrificed for the freedoms that people that kneel for the flag take. And yet it's a slap in the face because the people that kneel, they don't really show appreciation to the people that have fought to give them their freedoms. See, there's two things about it. There's two stories. There's two truths, I guess you can say. Society always likes to say one size fits all, but it's not the case. There's two sizes or two sides, two sizes too, probably. But people are getting tired of having it one-sided. They're tired of the one-sided narrative, the one-sided narrative that's going on. People are getting tired of being called racist. People are getting tired of being called Nazis. People are getting tired of being called white supremacists. It doesn't matter if you're a parent at a school board meeting fighting back against CRT and maybe sexually explicit books or masks in school. You're fighting for the welfare of your child to have a better education. Maybe you're fighting against vaccine mandates. Maybe you're pro-police, but yet you're called a racist, a Nazi, a white supremacist. You're the bad guy because you're standing up for your beliefs. You go back to those comments. Aren't these comments, aren't these beliefs, aren't these thoughts just as valid as the next? 
And so when it comes to the flag, people bled and died for that flag. They've had friends and family who have bled and died for that flag. So it could be easily offensive to somebody for them to take a knee. People are upset by the fact that you disrespect the flag. That is a valid feeling, emotion, thought, ideology. Where do we come together? Has there been any dialogue? Seriously, has there been any dialogue between people that take a knee versus people that don't want you to take any as to what they can do to come together to fight both issues? No, there's still a battle between the two. Where's the common ground? We need change. We need to sit down and seriously think about how can we address both issues? How can we address someone that wants to protest? How can we address someone that is offended by you taking a knee because maybe they lost a limb overseas fighting a war, taking up the courage to go after the enemy so that we can have our freedoms. But see, there's validity to both. Because it was back in 1968, Martin Luther King, the 1968 Olympics, okay? This is what he had to say about protesting and sports. This is a protest and a struggle against racism and injustice. And this is what we are working to eliminate in our organization and in our total struggle. I would also like to commend the outstanding athletes who have the courage and the kind of determination to make it clear that they will not participate in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City unless something is done about these terrible problems, these terrible evils and injustices. See, there is a time and a place and a need to protest the injustices that are going on. Sporting event? Absolutely. Remember the iconic athletes on the stand with their fist in the air? Martin Luther King Jr. supports that. That's a good way. But then what happens on the flip side? When it becomes a political thing, because nothing changed. That's 1968, people. Martin Luther King Jr. talking about athletes in 1968 protesting the way they're being treated in America. Social injustice, 1968. We're in 2021. People are taking a knee. What has changed? Nothing. Nothing has changed because people don't want it to change. And until we come together, it's not going to change. So, yes, the athlete kneeling, that's fine. It's a silent protest. And the way she went about doing it, it wasn't political. She wasn't out there wearing socks with pigs on it and other things, defaming anybody, calling anybody out. And the other way she protested was she put, like, BLM on her tapes. That's fine. You know, she tapes her fingers and stuff. Okay, that's fine because that's something that matters to you. But then it also matters to the people that bled and died for the flag or the people that support the flag, support the police, support having schools that their kids can be educated safely in, supporting having non-propaganda being preached at to them because some entity has an agenda. If you want a safe space, you have to have these conversations. And a place like Nebraska, that could have been the coaches, instead of just condemning the people, They could have came together and they could have had a conversation. 
Some of the athletes on the other side, on Nebraska side, they sent uh, messages to the athlete apologizing for what went wrong or what, how it went down. That's fine. But where's the dialogue as to, hey, how can we come together? Because 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. This is a protest and a struggle against racism and injustice. And this is what we are working to eliminate in our organization and in our total struggle. I would also like to commend the outstanding athletes who have the courage and the kind of determination to make it clear that they will not participate in the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City unless something is done about these terrible problems, these terrible evils and injustices. That was 53 years ago. Over half a century, and nothing's changed. It's gotten better, but nothing's changed. We still have people protesting athletic events for social injustice. Nothing changes. Because what happens, people feel like they're doing something by just writing something on social media, outraged about it. So we're going to put something on social media. We're going to put a black square on social media. That's going to do it. That's going to affect change. We're going to get on Twitter and type away, Reddit, type away. No. Because unless it really hits home, and see the people that are neutral about it, the people that are like, okay, yeah, um, they can take a knee, that's fine. Oh, they're kind of upset. Well, it's politically correct to side with the people taking a knee. So, but you're really wishy-washy about it. That's because you don't have anything vested in it. The people protesting and yelling and screaming at the athletes, they probably have something vested in it. They gave something. They sacrificed. Maybe they know somebody that sacrificed. The person taking a knee, they probably have something vested in it. The rest of us, we don't. So we get wishy-washy, and then it becomes politicized. It becomes a political thing. And now I have to take sides because of politics. When are we going to change? So the National Association of School Boards wants the FBI to label parents who fought back against the school boards that were pushing critical race theory, transgender ideology, mask mandates, and stuff like that. They want the FBI to label them domestic terrorists. Mom and pop. Want little Johnny, little Sally, little whoever to have a decent education, to be safe in the schools that they go to from being preyed upon by an ideology that they disagree with. They're now domestic terrorists. Are you kidding me? Now, I had here on my note card a laundry list of quotes, but I'm not going to play it. I'm not going to read it. Basically, they wanted to use the Patriot Act, this national organization for school boards, to go after parents as domestic terrorists for violence, interference with federally protected rights statute, conspiracy against rights statutes, an executive order to enforce all applicable federal laws, Threats and violence against students and educators. So a parent protecting their kid is now being deemed a domestic terrorist because they don't want their kid being taught something that they don't agree with. Reading, writing, arithmetic is out the table. Now, that's not all school districts. And in fact, a lot of school districts have now disassociated themselves with this organization. But the school boards are supposed to be there for the people, for the kids. See, that's what happens. They go and they get elected, and then they turn their back on the electorate. You know what you can do? Vote them out. And that's what happened in Loudoun County. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the whole Loudoun County thing, but Loudoun County made the news in Virginia. 
And then it turned out that they were covering up alleged sexual assaults that were going on because it would go against the transgender ideology. Apparently some boy in a skirt went into the girl's restroom and assaulted a couple people, allegedly. And they covered it up. Well, the parents fought back. Parents fought back on that. The father of one of the daughters or one of the girls that was his daughter was arrested. I guess finally it came out, and now there's an investigation on that. The parents fought back against critical race theory. And what happened? There was a revolt. Now, the parents and the people of Virginia, they wanted change. They went about it the right way. They went to the ballot box. They went to the ballot box, and they made their voices known. And they made big change. Seismic change. Voting people in that they thought were better fit to run their state. But these parents, they were racists. They were Nazis. They were white supremacists. Go look it up for yourself. Don't just look at Twitter. Don't just look at mainstream media. Because they're lied to you. Go look it up for yourself. How about the Fort Worth dad? I think it was Fort Worth. He supports critical race theory. He said he has soldiers lined up, ready to battle. What kind of rhetoric is that? Really, you want to go to war over critical race theory? What about the school district in Arizona, where the school board apparently was uh, compiling dossiers on parents who spoke out at school board meetings, had private investigators investigating them and compiling information, data, dossiers that they're going to use against them. What are we going, what's going on in this world? And if that's not bad enough, well, MSNBC recently claimed that truck drivers, they're now racist. What? Truck drivers are racist? Well, how can the industry be more welcoming? Because I have to tell you, I talked to a lot of truck drivers and uh, preparing for this segment. And um, most of these truck drivers are people of color. And they talked about, um, you know, hearing some of the racism um, over the CB. Um, you know, this is, again, an industry populated um, by a lot of white men over the age of 55. Um, this group of people overwhelmingly voted for Trump. Um, some people have talked about, you know, aggressive truck drivers uh, cutting them off or not being helpful. Um, so obviously, the more populated it is with people of color, I think you'll see less of that. But how can you encourage people to come and disrupt this space when it seems a bit unwelcoming? Again, she claims that she talked to people. I don't know if she did or not. If there's not too many African-American truck drivers out there, if truck drivers are on the road and there's not too many of them, who did she talk to would be my first thought. But I'm here not for the politics, but for the change of it. Remember when truck drivers were heroes at the start of the pandemic, bringing goods and services to us, especially toilet paper that everybody hoarded? And it was National Truck Driver Day. They saved the day. Year and a half later, they're racist. Truck drivers, white men over 55, supported Trump. They're racist. They don't want to help out. I don't know about you, but truck drivers, they're out there to keep the wheels rolling. They're out there, the more the wheels turn, that's when they get paid. They don't get paid to stop. And why is it just white men over the age of 55? Go to social media. There's a whole channel of female truck drivers out there. And others. Why does it have to be a racist thing? 
Why are truck drivers racist? The trucking industry is racist and full of white men over the age of 55 voted for Trump. And that's part of the reason why we also have a supply chain issue. What about doctors and nurses? Remember them? They were on the front lines. They were heroes. Now we're firing them because they don't want to get vaccinated. Now they're racist. They're Nazis. They're white supremacists. How about Virginia? The lieutenant governor. Get this. The lieutenant governor, going back to Loudoun County and the change that happened there. The lieutenant governor is a female black a black woman. Female black woman is redundant. She is female and she is black. They called her, no joke, go look it up for yourself. They called her a white supremacist and a racist. How in the world is a black person a white supremacist? I still can't figure that out. They did that with Larry Elder when he ran for governor in California not too long ago. We're just making stuff up now. We're outraged over a church service that wasn't a church service that was chanting, let's go, Brandon. And now we're calling black people white supremacists. Oh, and on top of that, the trucking industry is racist. What is going on? I don't know. But that's why we need to make change. The media, they're the ones that are causing a lot of problem. They sit in their ivory towers. They're not affected by anything. Except maybe their contract expiring or maybe getting fired for having low ratings. But they sit in their ivory tower and they make this stuff up. They create all kinds of issues. And then people listen to it and then they're like, oh, yeah. How many times have you had a thought about something, any story, anything out there, and then you go and you start reading social media and all of a sudden your thoughts start to change? Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden you start believing it. How do you know that wasn't just made up? I put something out there one time about the uh, Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros and how Major League Baseball was going to change the venue to New York because obviously they took the All-Star game from Atlanta and they didn't like the way the voting rights were going in Georgia, so they removed the All-Star game this year in 2021. And then obviously they don't like Texas because of Texas abortion law. So I just threw something out there and see if it would catch, and it did. It cut on. People started to believe that the games were being moved to New York. I just made that up. People are just making stuff up, and people believe it. Now, I didn't keep it out there too long. It was just like a little litmus test, and some people bought onto it, and I saw, okay, I better take this down because I'm not about spreading false stuff, but I wanted to test the waters. And it was legitimate enough that people bought into it. And then I sent them messages. No, that didn't happen. I was just making that up, and I wanted to see what the response would be. So truck drivers... You guys are racist. Well, what about trees? What about the vice president? Well, her poll numbers are in the 20s. I think I got 28%, extremely low. Well, Jimmy Kimmel, he has the reason why Kamala Harris's poll numbers are so low. Kamala's approval rating uh, of 28% is even lower than the 30% who approved of Dick Cheney in 2008 after he shot a guy in the face. <laughs> I think these people are forgetting that at least 10% of, the, of those polled approved of Dick Cheney because he shot a guy in the face. <laughs> I think I know why Kamala's ratings are low, besides sexism and racism, which are the obvious ones. Of course, sexists and racists. Those are the obvious reasons. It has to be, because everything's racism. Everything's sexism. You're a sexist. You're a bigot. You're a Nazi. You're a white supremacist. You're a racist. It obviously wouldn't have anything to do with the stories that even 
folks like CNN are reporting on, the fact that there's all kinds of chaos in her coming from her office, in her camp. Her camp is at odds with Biden. CNN even attacking her for not pushing back about a student that was talking about the um, genocide that Israel is committing. All kinds of news stories out there. And the fact that during the primary, she wasn't even showing up on the Iowa and the New Hampshire caucuses and primaries. Nobody wanted her for president. In fact, Bernie Sanders was the lead until Biden came in. So she was irrelevant in the election by the Democrats. Oh, and the other thing, if 81 million people did vote, then some of those people have to be sexist and racist as well because 81 million and supposedly Trump got 76 million. That's about 150 million or so people. There's about 330 million people in the country. So about half the people voted. Well, there's got to be some people there that are Democrats that must be sexist and racist then. I don't think Jimmy Kimmel thought about that. Oh, and Jimmy Kimmel was the guy, by the way, that had the man show that exploited women with large breasts, called them juggies, made them bounce in bikinis on trampolines. Why hasn't he been canceled? Makes you wonder. I'm not for canceling people, but it just makes you wonder. Or how about this story? Maybe Kamala Harris, her population, or I mean her uh, popularity, is low because she's worried about the population of trees and their race. She asked the NSA, I'm sorry, she asked NASA, not the NSA, probably asked the NSA, but if satellites could be used to track trees by race. You don't believe me? Can you measure um, trees? Part yes. of that data that you're referring to, and it's in EJ's environmental justice, but you can also track by race, there are averages in terms of the number of trees in the neighborhood where people live. Now, I don't know if she's talking about the trees having race or if she was bumbling her words and said that, you know, how many trees are in places and those places based on race. Like in the inner city, there's black people, so there's no trees. Well, in the suburbs, there's white people and there's trees. Now, a lot of people jumped on it and said that she was talking about the trees having race. But there was a lot of confusion. Okay. So that was the most recent kind of snafu gaffe, if you want to call it. Maybe it's things like that. Maybe it's not sexism and racism. Maybe it's actually someone underperforming. Remember, she was supposed to be the border czar, and that's a train wreck. She goes to Paris, speaks in a what, French accent. She goes overseas to Europe. I mean, to uh, well, she went to Europe. She also goes to Asia, and nothing good turned out with that trip there. So why can't it be something like job performance? It goes on and on. But no, racism, Nazi, white supremacist, maybe even sexist. Those are the problems. And then we come to the fact that there's just violence by the Democratic Party. I, I, I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country, and maybe there will be. There needs to be unrest in the streets for as long as there's unrest in our lives. You've got to be ready to throw a punch. You have to be ready to throw a punch. Donald Trump, I think you need to go back and, and punch him in the face. That I thought he should have punched him in the face. I feel like punching him. I think I'd like to take him behind the gym if I were in high school. If we were in high school, I'd take him behind the gym and beat the hell out of him. No, I wish we were in high school, I could take him behind the gym. I will go and take Trump out tonight. Take them out now. Okay. When was the last time 
An actor assassinated a president. They're still going to have to go out and put a bullet in Donald Trump. Show me where it says that protests are supposed to be polite and peaceful. about blowing up the White House. Please, get up in the face of some Congress people. People will do what they do. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. We're going to go in there, we're going to... This is just a warning to you Trumpers. Be careful. Walk lightly. And for those of you who are soldiers, make them pay. If you had to be stuck in an elevator with either President Trump, Mike Pence, or Jeff Sessions, who would it be? Does one of us have to come out alive? <laughs> Why is that even acceptable? Why is that even tolerated? Violence. Killing. There needs to be a bullet put to his head, taken out behind the gym in high school. And yet, people go along with it. That's why change doesn't happen. Why would you care about Black Lives Matter if your heart is about killing the president, blowing up the White House, taking him out behind the the gym in high school, putting a bullet in his head? You have a hard heart. You don't care about anything. You're not going to care about Black Lives Matter. You're not going to care about change. You're not going to care about transgender ideology unless it's just a political thing to you get some FaceTime on TV, you're not going to change because your heart is hardened because you got violence in you. You have no compassion. You have no desire to change. Remember, people are getting tired of a society being a one-sided affair. They're tired of it. They're pushing back. And it started with the elections of 2020 in Virginia and a couple other places. How about in New Jersey? The most powerful Democratic senator, state senator in New Jersey got bounced by a racist truck driver. Oh my goodness, the people of New Jersey are racist because a truck driver was voted into the state Senate. Ridiculous. Another thing that's ridiculous is the whole thing that's going on with the Kyle Rittenhouse trial on the verge. As of this broadcast, the jury went to bed, so no verdict. But everybody's a racist. Now, if you don't know Kyle Rittenhouse, you probably either just tune out the news, which is A-OK, or you live under a rock. But he's a guy that, uh, during the riots of 2020 in Kenosha, Wisconsin, he shot some people, killed, I believe, one and shot two others. Now, they say, well, he says the defense claims it's self-defense. And, of course, the prosecution is charging him with all kinds of crimes, murders, etc. Okay. Now, throughout the trial, this is how the judicial system is supposed to work, right? Something happens, you go to trial. You let it play out in the court system. Hopefully, the court system is fair and balanced. Justice is supposed to be blind with the scales. But nowadays, it's not. It's just a penal system that is politicized and radicalized like everything else. Racist if you're a Kyle Rittenhouse. Racist if you're somebody else. Everything's racist, right? So... Cal Rittenhouse is awaiting the verdict as of this broadcast. Okay. So if you watch this later, there might be a, uh, a verdict. And so just keep that in mind, depending on when you watch or listen to this podcast. Well, let's see. First off, you have 
the whole thing is racist. I don't think there was any black people involved, to be honest. I think the three people that were shot were white. Now, I know Kenosha, Wisconsin, is about 80% white people. 11% black, and then the rest are a mixture of different races. Okay. So, just keep that in mind. So, then, the whole trial is racist because Cal Rittenhouse is basically facing a jury that's pretty much all white, from what I understand. But again, keep in mind the racial component of the city, 80% white, 11% black. And so the same because there's no black people. Well, the killings didn't involve any black people, like George Floyd, for example, and others. Okay? Now, I know the whole thing stemmed in Kenosha from the shooting of a black man, but this particular trial about Cal Rittenhouse had nothing to do with black people. Okay. So it's racist, 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 racist. Joy Reid, racist, racist, racist. Well, do you ever think about something? Maybe the black people in Kenosha, maybe they're smarter than what you think. What do I mean by that? I don't know anybody that wants to do jury duty. Everybody I know wants to get out of jury duty. I've been several times called into jury duty couple of cases, I just sat in the jury room and then got kicked loose. A couple of times, I made it to the courthouse. A couple of times, I made it to the jury box. Almost questioned. Never questioned. Almost. So I've been there enough times. I've been there enough times to hear all kinds of the craziest excuses. Some legitimate, like I've got an ailing parent or an ailing grandparent, an elderly person that needs 24-7 care, and I need to be there for them. Sounds legit. Or I've got young kids. I can't afford daycare. And I've got four or five kids at home that I need to take care of. Sounds legit. To the extreme, like my dog ate my homework type of things. Okay. So I've kind of heard them all. But nobody wants to do jury duty. On a side note, I did jury duty so much that I got promoted. Instead of superior court, I got promoted to federal court. I got called on a jury for federal court. Shangri-La, it is night and day. It is like a five-star resort in those federal courthouses compared to the Motel 6 or the Super 8 that you're staying in down at Superior Court. Facilities are nice. The courtrooms are nice. The jury boxes are nice. The facilities, there's like a nice cafe in the one that I was in in downtown L.A. I mean, it was an extremely different environment. I'm like, hmm, if I half cared about doing jury duty. This is where I want to do it. And so the case came up and there's about 50, 60 people in the jury pool for this one. We all go into the courtroom and they're going through the whole gamut of picking people, tossing people, picking people, tossing people. And a lot of people getting kicked and I've not been called and it's dwindling. And finally gets to the point where there's one person left. And it's almost as if there's about six or seven of us left in the you know, the jury pool that hasn't been selected yet. And there's one spot left. I think it was for an alternate too, which would suck even more. I think it was like sixth alternate. So if I think my memory serves me, it was 12 and then six alternates, kind of like what Rittenhouse is. Anyways, and it's like, okay, the next person that gets called is is getting seated because the judge is just about done with, with this. My name, not called. Big sigh of relief. We all turn, look at the person that got called, head sunk. Goes to the jury box, jury set. Got out of there. Haven't been back. But federal federal court, 
federal court is where you need to go. And if you're in the California, Los Angeles, California, federal court for Los Angeles includes as far north as San Francisco, uh, Fresno and as far south as San Diego. You wind up in L.A., but the federal court, probably worth it. Anyways, so you've got maybe the black community in Kenosha is smart to get out of this thing. Why be a part of it? Who wants to do jury duty anyways? It was, what, like two, three weeks? And then all the aftermath that's going to come? Why would you want to be a part of it? So instead of accusing racism, maybe you should give some credit to people that don't want to be a part of it. I surely wouldn't. So the whole thing is racist to begin with, even though, like I said, I don't believe it involves any black people. Well, the judge, the ringtone. So now the judge is racist. But I think the court has to make some findings as it relates to the bad faith on the part of the prosecution. And if the court makes a finding that uh, the actions that I had talked about were done in bad faith. So because that ringtone, that was the judge's ringtone, apparently the judge now is a white supremacist. He's a white judge. He's racist. And the whole thing is a sham because he had that ringtone. Now, a lot of people said it was God bless the USA by Lee Greenwood, which I don't think it is. Others say it was like Southern, was a Southern cross by Crosby, Steele, and Nash, which was even more outrageous for some reason if it was that. But so the judge is racist because he had a patriotic ringtone. So people went all over the place saying that he should recuse himself, step down because he was a Trump supporter, even though there's no evidence that he voted for Trump. He's a Trump supporter because he has a patriotic ringtone. He's racist. What does that matter? And then, of course, if the verdict comes down as not guilty, everybody's going to riot. Everybody's going to protest. It's going to be 2020 probably all over again. National Guard is already being called in to protect Kenosha. All this stuff. I mean, it's crazy. How is it that people are racist? You don't believe me? Here's uh, Gabby Tulsi. She is a Democrat. She was in Congress until this past uh, presidential election when she ran for the presidency as a Democrat. So she didn't run for re-election in her congressional seat. So now she's just out there, a free agent, I guess you can say. And so she was on some news channel somewhere doing something. And this is what she has. This is a Democrat. Okay, again, think of this in terms not as politics, but as racism in America. This is this is the problem here, right, is that there is no care or interest in evidence or the facts or justice. Really, it's about politics. It's about, hey, are you one of us? Are you one of them? Are you on our team or are you the quote unquote enemy? And as we've seen in this example and others, if you're not on our team, then you are a racist. You're a white supremacist. You're a terrorist. And they levy out these allegations really without care again for the evidence, facts uh, or the consequences. And we're seeing the same thing happening here uh, with the judge in this trial because of his ringtone being (laughs) a patriotic song. God bless the USA. Obviously, they're saying, hey, he's he's biased towards Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, so so what conclusion are we to draw from that? That if you love America, then you are a white supremacist. Uh, this is the craziness of, of what we're seeing play out here, which really for me, you know, it, it shows that they hate America. 
that they have such disdain for those who love America that this is the allegation that they throw out. And it's especially offensive as we sit here on Veterans Day. Uh, this disdain extends to those who wear or worn the uniform, who are willing to sacrifice their lives to serve our country. It's extremely offensive, and they should be ashamed of themselves. See, and everything she said there about being offensive is you go back to the flag. Veterans Day, and they were calling the judge racist and a white supremacist and a Trump supporter because of a ringtone that was maybe two, three seconds long. I don't know if Shazam works that fast. But so you can understand why people are passionate about certain things, okay? Because they have a vested interest in the flag, in patriotism, in being a part of this country and making this country a great country. And then there's others that just want to tear it down. And so they feed those people that are sucking up the racism, the white supremacist. There was a guy on Twitter that I know, he just put F Rittenhouse. I'm like, why? You don't know him. It doesn't affect you. And then we had an exchange, and it went something like this real quick. It was like, he needs to be held accountable for what he did that night. He's on trial. He needs to, uh, he was out past curfew and had a gun. He's on trial, and yet others were past curfew and had guns too. Why aren't they on trial? And then as we communicated back and forth a little bit on Twitter, it kind of was like, okay, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, everything's fine. Like it deflated his F Rittenhouse because it was like, dude, he's on trial. Everything you're saying is being done. He's on trial. That's the whole point of it. But why is it racist? Why is it white supremacy to have 80% community of white people on the jury? Aren't you supposed to have something that reflects your peers? We're supposed to stack a jury against somebody? I think Gabby Tulsi said it best right there. And so what do we do? How can we affect change? So many people expect change in others, expect change in the world, but are never willing to change themselves first. If you want to see change in others, you must first be the change you wish to see. If I want others to be better, I must be better. If I want my loved ones to change, I must be that change. If I want my kids to become a certain way, I must live that way. I must be that example. Not tell them how to be, but be that person. If I want them to be kind to others, I must be kind to others. If I want them to live fully as themselves and not wear any mask to fit in with others, I must be that person, free from fear of judgment and live as I wish to live. If I want them to be giving, I must be giving, giving of my time, giving of my love, my spirit, my presence. If I want them to be healthy, I must live healthy in every area. If I expect others to be grateful, I must be grateful first. I must show my gratitude. If I want others to live the life they want to live, I must set that example by loving the life that I live. If I want other people to make happiness and love a priority in their lives, I must make happiness and love a priority in my own life. If I expect others to be kind, I must be kind. I must be compassionate. If I expect others to listen and be understanding, I must listen. Change starts with you. Listen to all those political pundits on TV. Talking about change, change, change. They never change. 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. talking about the protests, 
from the 1968 Olympics. 53, 53 years later, we're protesting at Olympic uh, or at sporting events by taking an E during the anthem. What's changed? Nothing. And who's been in power for all those years? And what have they done? What are you going to do about it? So here's some, a couple of ways that maybe we can start at a grassroots level to make some changes. Maybe one, we can celebrate other cultures. I mean, that's the cool thing about the world we live in. We've got some pretty cool cultures out there that we can celebrate. But then we have to be careful because if we celebrate them too much, it's appropriations or culturally appropriations or whatever that is where we're like offensive because we're celebrating them. I can't even keep up with it. That's how fast it changes. But we need to celebrate the differences. And it could be small things like potluck dinners. Everybody bring maybe a dish of your heritage or your ethnicity. If you have a diverse neighborhood, maybe that's a good way to start. Try some different foods. Maybe share some cultural stories. I know a lot of people I've talked to over the years from Mexico, and I love listening to their stories. And other places. Maybe we need to just listen. Instead of getting on social media and typing away, maybe we listen first to have understanding. But that's one thing we could do, celebrate other cultures. See, that's the other thing. You have, like, things now that, like, uh, Cinco de Mayo, which people think is Mexican independence, which really isn't because that's in September. But everyone wants to go drink beer. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, everybody goes drink beer. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But then at some point, people are like, wait, they're drinking beer. They're not Mexican. They're not Irish. Who cares? They're celebrating your culture. Settle down. It's okay. It's okay if people. There's a great line from the movie Mr. Baseball with Tom Selleck. He's there with his uh, agent who is, uh, he's over in Japan playing baseball in Japan. His agent is Japanese. And she says that they take the best from each culture and they make it their own in Japan. That's a great thing to do. Let's embrace these cultures. Let's call out bigotry and hate speech. We got to do that. That includes people yelling and screaming on social media for no reason. Call them out. It might have to have a little bit of a, you might have some balls and take a stand basically is what it comes down to. Stand up for it. Might cost you something, but call it out. Hate speech. Call it out. But don't just call it out because you think it's hate speech. You have to have an understanding. You have to have an understanding to realize that it's hate speech. It's hate speech and it's bigotry. And it's not a faux or a fake bigotry or something made up. We can teach. Teach our children kindness. How to talk about differences in a normal way. Because people want to make change and teach our kids things. And that's why the parents protested and started voting out school board members and became domestic terrorists for speaking out. We got to stand up for people being harassed. We got to intervene if it's safe to do so. That could be another way. So again, quickly, we could celebrate other cultures. We can call out bigotry and hate speech. We can teach children kindness. How many times have you seen that video that ran around social media of the black boy, maybe he's like two, and that white boy, about two, and they're running on the sidewalk and they embrace? No hatred, no racism, no bigotry. At some point they grow up and now they're fighting. Why? Because it was taught. 
We need to reverse that. We need to teach kindness. We need to teach that race is okay. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It's okay. We might have differences, but we can embrace them. We need to come together. 1968, Martin Luther King talking about the protests of athletes at the 1968 Olympics in Mexico. 53 years later, people are taking an E for social injustice. Nothing's changed in 53 years. When are we going to make a change? When are people going to stop being hypocrites? When are we going to stop inciting violence? Our politicians aren't going to do it, folks. Mainstream media, news outlets, not going to do it. It's going to take you and me at the grassroots level, starting with our neighbors, then our communities, and going from there. Coming together. That's where change happens. Understanding each other. There's many times I've talked to people, hey, you posted this. What does that mean? And I got understanding. I still may disagree, but I got understanding. Okay? We're not going to always agree on everything. That's okay. But if you have understanding, then maybe you can appreciate why they're taking an E. If you have understanding, you can appreciate why they're upset that someone's taking an E. Because both sides have a vested interest in it. And how are we going to bring those two sides together? 1968, 2021, 53 years. What do you think Martin Luther King Jr. would say? He'd probably be rolling his eyes and be like, I can't believe nothing's happened in the last 53 years to affect change. It comes down to you and me, and it starts with us. We have to change so that then we can make the changes that then affect change, and hopefully it goes from there. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. You can find me on Instagram at TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. That's the, the show Instagram. My personal Instagram is Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. The best place to find the show and anything related to the show is RadioWarp.com. That's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. There's uh, videos of the show that's linked to our YouTube channel. There's audio from our SoundCloud account. There's also Spotify, Pandora, all the places. You can go to RadioWarp.com. Just click the link, and it'll take you there. Um, if you're on Instagram, there's a link tree link in the bios. You can click that. That'll take you there. You can... Uh, Basically, just say, hey, Google, play TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up, so we're everywhere. And then if you uh, subscribe to our YouTube account, or if you subscribe to our SoundCloud account, you get notified and never miss an episode. Also, with RadioWarp.com, you can go on there, and there's a Listen Live button where you can hear the show uh, live Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern, every Tuesday night. You can also hear reruns of the show. But then there's also other podcasts and great music, from the 80s to music to today and some other shows that stream live 24-7 on RadioWarp.com. You can also go to your app store and download the app, Radio Warp app. Again, Warp is W-A-R-P, Radio Warp app. And you can download it and take us with you on the go. So if you're bored of your normal programming that you listen to, maybe you take a listen to RadioWarp.com. And then there's also it's the Christmas season, a holiday season. If the supply chain issues are affecting you, well, maybe go to a merchandise uh, store a swag shop and you can get some cool uh, two steps head podcast merchandise that you can give away as gifts so once again two steps head podcast encouraging you to take your passion make it happen let yourself be great i'm son Edom. hey thanks for listening do tell a friend and until next time god bless